Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Amen. As you already heard, it's Healing Week, and we thank God for Jesus being the same yesterday, today, forever, and always. And I'd like to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Exodus, chapter 15, if you would, please. And I'd like to share with you some guidelines to health. You could call them rules to health or laws to health. You can title it what you will. It doesn't matter what we title it. It matters whether or not we receive it and act in the light of it. Amen. Are you excited tonight about Jesus? Amen. In the book of Exodus chapter 15 and verse 25, we read, And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he had made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them, and said, If thou wilt diligently hearken, underline that word if, Highlight it, if you would, to the voice of the Lord thy God, and wilt do that which is right in his sight, and wilt give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. I will put or permit none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. The first thing that God did for the Israelites after he brought them out from Egyptian bondage was to make a covenant of healing with them. As a matter of fact, if you'll closely examine this covenant, you'll find it to be a revelation of His covenant of health. And health really is above healing, if you can understand that. Health is above healing. He is saying, I'm going to reveal to you a way that you can allow me to prevent sickness and disease from coming upon you. But of course, it was conditional based upon their cooperation. In other words, there was something they had to do so that God could do what He really wanted to do. How many of you know that God longs to bless us? And God longs to protect us? And He longs to keep us safe in His loving arms? He longs to show us the way of truth, lead us upon life's path. He longs to do so much for all of His children, but He must have our cooperation if He is going to be able to do so. Because He does not just move into someone's life apart from their cooperation. And so, beloved, when we study the Word of God, it's absolutely essential that we discover what God wants us to do, knowing that fulfilling what He wants us to do enables Him to act and move in our lives. Exodus chapter 23, if you would please... gives us further insight or revelation into this 
covenant of health. In verse 25, we are told of Exodus 23, And ye shall serve. Everybody say serve. serve. Ye shall serve the Lord your God. How many of you know that serve or serving God involves action? It involves doing something. Serving. Have you ever gone to a restaurant where a waiter came to serve you? How many of you got a little bit frustrated if they didn't come back often enough to find out if your glass needed refilled with water? Or maybe the bread basket was empty and you longed for more bread. The first thing you're looking for is that waiter or waitress to come back and serve you what it is that your heart, or should I say stomach, desired. Right? You're looking around for that person. Well, God is looking for His children to serve Him. That involves action, doing something for Him. Now, there are certain things we all can do to serve God. There are certain things that God calls particular ones to do to serve Him that has nothing to do with the other person, but we all can serve God in one way or another. Correct? We can all serve Him just by ministering unto Him. We can serve Him by being the one that says, you can lead me wherever you would have me to go and I'll do what you would have me to do. You can serve Him by saying, send me into the highways and byways of life and I'll talk to that other person about Jesus. You can serve Him by playing a musical instrument. In, in a worship service such as this. You can serve Him in many different ways by writing le- letters or notes or sending cards out to people, encouraging them in the Lord. There are many ways to get involved in serving God. You can teach a Sunday school class, all kinds of things to do. But the thing that He's implying here is that we need to be actively involved in doing something for the Lord. Not just making Jesus Christ our Savior, and that settles it. You serve Him by being a productive, fruit-bearing branch in the vine, by attending worship services and taking your place and doing your part. You serve Him by providing finances so that His work can continue here upon this earth. We can serve Him in many different ways. And you shall serve the Lord your God, and He shall bless thy bread and thy water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. I know you've read that verse before, saint of God, but don't miss out on the revelation here. Did you notice that His taking sickness and disease away from the midst of us involves our serving Him? Isn't that what it says? Thou shalt serve the Lord your God. He will bless your bread and water. He will then take sickness away from the midst of thee. There shall nothing cast their young, nor be barren in thy land. The number of thy days I will fulfill. So protection from disease was not apart from their cooperation. It was conditional based upon their obedience and based upon their serving the Lord their God. We can't expect God to do for us while we are serving the idol of self. We can't expect the Lord to do a whole lot for us while we are serving the idols that are in this world. We can't expect God to fulfill 
all of His covenant if, in our lives if we are not actively involved in doing what He wants us to do with our lives. So obedience and service are important. And that's, of course, an act of the will. It's a decision that we make to do what God would have us to do. And how many of you know that what God expects of us is not beyond our ability to perform? He would be unjust and unfair to ask us to do what we could not do. And He is not that way. We all can serve Him. We all can live our lives to please Him. If we so desire and if we so choose. So, beloved, once again I reiterate, if we want God to honor the covenant, then we have a vital part to play in its fulfillment. And it's up to us to be obedient to do what God would have us to do. He told Pharaoh through Moses to let my people go that they may serve me. I want to say that again. You'll find that in Exodus chapter 8 and verse 1. He told Pharaoh through Moses, let my people go that they may serve me. God is envious of us. God is jealous. God wants us to serve Him with our lives. No matter who we are. And you see, beloved, too often people are looking to receive from God healing for their physical bodies or people are wanting to walk in divine health yet not understanding the fact that God wants us free so that we would serve Him. He wants us to be zealous with regard to serving Him. He wants us to display or demonstrate enthusiasm when it comes to serving the Lord our God. Every single one of us is enthused about being healed. Couldn't you say amen to that? Everybody wants to maintain health in their body. Amen? And you're excited about that, aren't you? Have you ever gone for a checkup and got a tremendous report? Weren't you enthused about that? Weren't you overjoyed about that? Weren't you thankful and excited because you got a good report? Why? Because it's your life, isn't it? Absolutely. Well, He also wants us to be more so enthused about serving Him. That's why He wants us free. That's why He wants us delivered. He doesn't want us delivered so that we can do our own thing. He wants us delivered so that we can be a vessel of honor upon this earth that chooses to do His will. Amen? Now, beloved, sometimes people close their ears to those revelations. All they want to learn about is, how do I get healed? Because they're excited about getting healed. But remember the motive. Remember what God is looking for. Let my people go that they may serve me. That's what God's looking for. And if you want to pal up with Him, if you want to buddy-buddy up with Him, you let Him know, I want to be well and I want to walk in health because I want to serve you. Amen. Exodus 16, if you would, please. I said all that 
Now, let me say one more thing before I say this. Okay? In the book of Ezekiel, we are told that pastors were rebuked because they did not offer to the flock of God the whole counsel of God. God was saying, I'm very disappointed and I'm very upset and my wrath is going to be poured out upon you shepherds because you did not feed the flock of God. How many of you have ever read that? How many of you know it's not easy to stand in the office of a pastor or of a shepherd? I'm so glad for your enthusiasm tonight. You all just really just helping right along. I mean, it's the truth that it's not an easy position to be in because God expects a whole lot more out of you. He expects us to listen to what He has to say and feed the flock of God with it. He puts many demands upon our lives and He expects us to act accordingly. Amen? Okay. Well, if God expects me to give the whole counsel of God, and that's one thing, thank God for the privilege of doing it, what about those that are out there to receive what is given? You know, there's always mixed emotions, and there's different kinds of responses from people. And if you don't say exactly what they want you to say, they will let you know about it. That's the truth. They will. Ask me. I'll tell you. They will let you know about it. Regardless, you have got to preach the whole counsel of God. Even if what is being preached doesn't tickle ears. It has to be preached. Come on, can you say amen? Okay. So, listen to that. And then listen to what we have to say tonight. In the book of Exodus chapter 16 and verse 4, the first guideline I want to share with you about living in health or even being healed involves something that we can do. You know, sometimes that hurts. But it's true. Sometimes the truth hurts, doesn't it? And lining up with the truth hurts even more, doesn't it? It certainly does. But we still must do what God wants us to do because we're not exempt from being obedient to His laws and serving Him, are we? Exodus 16.4 reveals to us the first guideline to living in abiding health and it involves our diet. It involves moderation in eating. Now, come on, brother, let's get by this and lay hands on me. That's what usually is going through people's minds. Forget about this part of it. I just want you to lay hands on me and I want miracles to take place in my life. Miracles of healing and deliverance. Wait a minute. God said, let my people go that they may serve me. Correct? Listen. Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day that I may prove them 
whether they will walk in my law or not. Now, beloved, these people were used to eating as much as they wanted to, whenever they wanted to, when they were in the world or in Egypt. Look at verse 3. Oh, let's start with 2. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness, and the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots and when we did eat bread to the fool. You get that picture? For ye have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Why? Because they didn't have their flesh pots. They wanted to eat meat all day long. To put it in our own way, they wanted to pig out morning, noon, and night. And there better be some form of the pig, some form of meat. It was quail in their day. Because that's what they wanted. And if their bellies were not being satisfied, they were not happy with Moses, Aaron, or God. Remember Jesus said their belly is their God? Whose God is their belly. Well, that's the attitude that they maintained. And they said, we'd rather die. They were actually living in gluttony. Some people drown themselves in their sorrows and they drink excessively. Some people eat excessively and become gluttons. Yet when their bodies begin to break down because they haven't provided a proper diet for their body, then they want God to miraculously do something about the situation so they can go back and serve their belly. Oh, I said that, didn't I? How many of you know you can serve your belly? Two. Well, I'm going to say it again. You can serve your belly. According to the Word of God, you can serve your belly. You can. Hey, hunger is something that touches all of our lives. I mean, I only know a few people that can do without food. Very few. And Carly's not one of them. Trust me. She's not one of them. Every single one of us enjoys eating. But God is saying, look, I'm going to lay out a law for you that will help keep you healthy, that will enable you to walk in abiding health, and that will enable me to prevent sickness and disease from coming upon you. It is not apart from my cooperation. It is in connection with your cooperation. Now, beloved, I can vouch for that personally. We've all done things in our lives that 
we should not do. When I recently had this attack of diverticulitis in my body, you know, not being educated along that line or not knowing how something like that begins to take place or take hold of someone. Consulting the doctor afterwards, he said, you know, this is not caused by what we eat. I said, it isn't. He said, no, it's not caused by what you eat. He said, it's only caused by what you don't eat. And most people in America have the same diverticulosis. Some haven't acted up yet, but because of their diets, the majority of the people in the United States of America have diverticuli in their intestine. Simple remedy for that is to educate people and let them know if they put more fiber in their diet, they'd never have it. Now think about that just for a moment. God could protect people, every single individual, if they would only follow certain dietary laws. But if the people say, I'm just going to do what I want to do, I'm going to eat what I want to eat, I'm going to serve my flesh, I'm going to overeat if I want to overeat, I'm going to eat nothing but candy, nothing but popcorn, and that's all there is to it, I'm going to live on all that. How can we expect God to protect us and keep us in abiding health when He is the one that laid down the law? He said right here in His Word, I'm going to provide the right kind of food for you to eat, but still I don't want you to become a glutton and I don't want you to get yourself involved in unwholesome eating. In so doing, you can cause troubles in your physical body. And God doesn't want that. He also said that He wanted to prove them whether or not they would walk in His law. See, God said that it wasn't necessary for them to have meat every day. Look at verse 8. And Moses said, This shall be when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat, and in the morning bread to the full, for that the Lord heareth your murmurings, which ye murmur against Him. And what are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. The Lord was saying to them, you don't need to eat meat three times a day. It's not good for you. He was saying, you need to be moderate in your intake of certain things, certain foods. And in so doing, once again, He could provide health for them, knowing that they are willing to observe His dietary laws. Now, beloved, if it's a law of God, it's a law of God. Someone says, but it's my body. I'll put in it what I want to. It's really not your body. If you've been redeemed, your body's been purchased with the blood of Jesus Christ. Correct? Okay. Now, beloved, you st still bear with me and still understand what we are told to do as shepherds of the sheep. We have to give the whole counsel of God. Come on, somebody say Amen. I want you to read this with me, if you would, please, in Psalm 78. Sometimes these things will jump out at you, stare you right in the face, and you look at it and you say, you know what? God meant business. God was serious about this and about this matter of eating. And, of course, it includes drinking. It includes, let's face it, smoking. 
Come on. Use of illegal drugs. Does it not? How many of you know that if indulging in too much food or different kinds of food that are not necessarily good for us can affect the human body, how much more can tobacco that is proven to destroy the physical body, to cause cancer, etc., and alcohol that can be destructive to brain cells, etc., etc., Someone says, but that's not in the Bible anywhere. Well, my goodness, if food, God is saying, overindulgence of of meat or other things can cause the physical body troubles and problems, how much more can things that are non-productive? Come on. Now listen. Verse 18, Psalm 78. And they tempted God in their heart by asking meat for their lust. What were they doing? They were used to eating all that meat over there in Egypt. And they wanted more. And they wanted more. And they wanted more. And so they kept nagging at God. They wanted more. They wanted more. They wanted more. Well, look at verse 29. So they did eat and were well filled. For he gave them their own desire. doesn't say he gave them his desire. He stated his desire. He gave them their own desire. They were not estranged from their lust. How many of you know that it's not, it's not right to live according unto your own lust? It's not productive. It's counterproductive. They were not estranged. It's not a good thing not to be estranged from your own lust. In other words, they could not control the lust of their flesh. So they were not estranged from their lust, but while their meat was yet in their mouths, the wrath of God came upon them and slew the fattest of them and smote down the chosen men of Israel. Stop there just for a moment. You know, medical science as well as insurance agencies know how important it is to maintain proper weight. Isn't that true? And they also express to us that a person can shorten his or her lifespan by not maintaining a proper diet and keeping their weight down. Can you say amen to that? It puts more stress on the heart. It opens up doors to sickness and disease that otherwise would not be open when we refuse to do what God would have us to do. And you can see here that God was not happy with the fact that they overindulged and refused to honor His laws, His dietary laws. He gave them over to their own heart's lust and then judgment fell upon them as a result. Now, beloved, you say, what does this have to do with us? Well, we are told in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, in that entire chapter, if you read it, we are told that these things happen to them for our example. So that we are not given over to our lusts and likewise destroyed. 
And remember, this is only one area. God is saying to us that we have got to do our part. There is something that we can do and should do so that we can keep our weight where it should be, where it needs to be, so that we don't open up the door to sickness and disease that otherwise would stay closed. But once again, some of us is in their own thinking. Well, it doesn't really matter because God can still heal. But remember, if we're not walking in line with the law of God... If we are being disobedient, in other words, and not doing what God would have us to do, He is saying, through violating what the law is, you're putting yourself in a position to be attacked. He wants to protect us and He wants to defend us. But beloved, once again, it's understood that being overweight can do what? Shorten one's lifespan. And this is something he is trying to stress. He's revealing to his people. He's telling them, obey dietary laws if you expect to be free from sickness and disease. Now, we can either line up with that or we can ignore that. You see, the decision is left up to us. Going back to Exodus 16, and we'll look at number two. I'll tell you what. I have a thought in my heart and mind right now. Don't even go there. Go to Isaiah 58 first to show you what God says about giving the body a rest from food, food intake through fasting can open up the door to healing and abiding health. In Isaiah chapter 58, verse 6. Is not this the fast that I have chosen to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that ye break every yoke? Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house, when thou seest the naked, that thou cover him, and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh? In other words, he is saying practicing Fasting properly is going to help people be set free. And the proper fast is to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens. In other words, taking time to get closer to God by shutting down our physical body through fasting, giving it a rest. Then in verse 8 it says, Then shall Thy. Now, notice how it comes back on the individual who is taking time to give his body a rest from food intake and possibly water intake. Then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thine health shall spring forth speedily. And, beloved, it's a known fact that by fasting in the natural the body is rejuvenated. It's resting. It's cleansed. It's purified. Many of the impurities are gone. And especially if you just intake water for a season, through fasting, and of course, couple that with proper fasting so that others could be helped, so that you could grow closer to God, your health 
will spring forth speedily. Isn't that what God is saying here? So you see, beloved, we have a part to play in this. But sometimes a lot of people who open up the door to sickness and disease because of not tending to this, all they want is you to lay hands on them so it goes away. But even if God healed them right then and there immediately because of the habitual practice of and whatever their diet involves, it will not be very long before their body will be suffering the same thing. Now, saints of God, I know that we don't like to hear this. And I want you to also understand this is in no way speaking with disrespect toward anyone who is overweight. As a matter of fact, if we had a half a dozen sinners out there right now, it would be my responsibility to say to to every single one, you need to get saved. Isn't that true? Absolutely. Well, beloved, I still have that upon me as a pastor. As far as I'm concerned, the same mandate by God to let people know the whole counsel of God. And that if we really want to walk in abiding health, we have got to do our part. And if not obeying dietary laws is closing the door to healing power and opening the door to sickness and disease and all kinds of of diseases and tragedies that can come into people's lives, it's our responsibility to tell people and let them know. And then it's their responsibility to do what? To take heed and obey the laws. Amen? Now, Exodus chapter 16, if you would, please. Here's another one I just know we all have violated at one time or another. And if we're not careful, we can make a habit of it. And I realize that sometimes we think in our own limited thinking that I'm doing it for a worthy cause. Even though it's a worthy cause, we're not to violate the law of God. And this second one is called the law of rest. 16th chapter of the book of Exodus and verse 26. Six days ye shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is the Sabbath, in it there shall be none. And it came to pass that they, there went out some of the people on the seventh day for to gather, and they found none. And the Lord said unto Moses, How long refuse ye to keep my commandments and my laws? Stop right there just for a moment. From the very beginning, God taught man to rest. Right? He caused the deep sleep to come upon Adam himself. He taught his people. You can work six days, but there's a time that you need rest. Jesus Himself, when He was here on this earth, told His disciples that it's necessary that you get away for a while and rest. You ever wonder why Jesus was sleeping on the boat when the storm came? I have a good idea as to why. That night, probably Jesus was praying all night. And when he had the opportunity to rest, he fell asleep on the boat. Why? Because he knew the value and the importance of giving his body rest. Now, beloved, 
We have many reasons, many excuses why, you know, we need to work two and three jobs to make ends meet. There's always something to do. And what we do is go on abusing our physical bodies as if they're our own. And God is saying, your body is not your own. Your body belongs to me. And I am going to lay down the law for you to observe and to obey. And this is for you to prove yourself to me as to whether or not you will obey my law. Now, God the Father taught that we ought to rest. Jesus, when He was here, taught the importance and the value of rest to His disciples. He said, come aside and rest for a while. And then we have the classic case in the book of Philippians, chapter 2, if you would please, of an individual who gave himself to overworking his physical body because he wanted to supply the need that existed in the life of the Apostle Paul. His name is Epaphroditus in Philippians chapter 2, beginning at verse 26. For he longed after you all and was full of heaviness, because that ye had heard that he had been sick. For indeed he was sick nigh unto death. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I sent him therefore the more carefully, that when ye see him again, ye may rejoice, and that I may be the less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such in reputation, because... For the work of Christ was he nigh unto death, not regarding his life to supply your lack of service toward me. This fellow overworked himself because he saw that Paul wasn't being supported on his missionary journeys. So he took it upon himself to overwork himself once again to provide this need for the Apostle Paul. As a result of not getting sufficient rest for his physical body, he once again opened up the door to sickness and disease or a breakdown in his physical makeup and was sick nigh unto death. And see, beloved, once again, we recognize just by nature that our body needs to rest. Once again, though, we get involved in habits we get so involved in, in doing so much that we do not take the time to give the physical body adequate rest. You know, I tell you what, sometimes people of the world display or demonstrate more common sense than even those that are in the church world. When we were over in Italy for the seminar, we were amazed at the fact that they closed the whole... They closed all the stores down. I mean, they closed everything down from 12 or 1, between 12 and 1 till 4. You think about that over here. You close your business from 12 or 1 to 4, you might not be in business. Everybody shut down. Why? For rest. They'd stop. They'd go home. They'd be with their family. Have a big spaghetti dinner in the afternoon. See, that was their meal. That was, the, that was when they ate. That was when they ate their big meal in the afternoon. They didn't eat supper. They had the big meal in the afternoon. They had a little resting time where they would take a nap or whatever. And then they go back to work at 4 o'clock. 
and they work four to eight, four to nine or whatever. That's how they conduct their lives. And they think that we over here, we just work too much. We don't give time to rest. How many of you know that God will provide the ability to do what we need to do if we'll only honor Him by giving our bodies to rest? You know, sometimes a good little nap or just a time to get away and relax can revitalize someone, enabling them to do a whole lot more than if they just continued right on through. But the point being, beloved, God is saying, see, God is saying, it's a matter of this. I made your body, I designed it to need rest. You are to honor me by giving your body rest. It's not your body, it's not your own. Don't be concerned about whether or not I can meet the needs of my people here upon the earth. God is well capable of doing what is necessary to make some ministry work. He doesn't need someone to violate His laws and totally, you know, bankrupt themselves physically to supply a need. He wants us to learn to rest. And beloved, to be frank about it, it's difficult for Americans to learn to rest. Our pace is so rapid, we are constantly on the go... And the thing is, we're never going to wake up until we recognize that we're violating a law of God. We are violating a law of God. We need to learn to rest so that our physical strength can be renewed. The Bible clearly says, they that wait upon the Lord shall what? Renew their strength. You can rest in His presence. But once again, it's up to us. It's our responsibility. Well, to make that very clear, turn to Numbers 15, verse 32, and you'll find out exactly what God did. Book of Numbers. If we violate the law of rest, we can open up the door to needless sickness and disease. Numbers, chapter 15, verse 32. And while the children of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man that gathered sticks upon the Sabbath day. There's always someone. Isn't that true? There's always someone. Right? Did God really say that? Nah. Well, what's gathering a few sticks on a Sabbath day? There is someone out there, always someone with that kind of a mentality or that kind of a mindset, right? What does it really matter if I rest my body or not? It doesn't matter. Beloved, when we look at it or view it this way, then it matters. If you're not concerned about your body, be concerned about the law of God. Amen? It's as much a law of God as thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Is it not? Well, how many of you go around taking the name of the Lord your God in vain? See, we wouldn't even consider doing that. But rest involves, I've got to stop what I'm doing. And you know me, I'm always doing. Going and going and running and doing all these different things. I've got to stop if I'm going to rest. And I just don't want to do that. God will understand. Well, let's read and find out if God understood 
It doesn't say here that his children were cold and they needed sticks for firewood. It just says he was gathering sticks upon the Sabbath. And they that found him gathering sticks brought him unto Moses and Aaron and unto all the congregation, and they put him in ward because it was not declared what should be done to him. And the Lord said unto Moses, The man shall be surely put to death. Everybody say death. See, we don't like this kind of teaching. This is not enthusiastic teaching. Now, come on, brother. You're not preaching the powerful, positive message of faith here tonight. Oh, yes, we are. Faith is not apart from obedience. And faith was never designed to replace obedience. I'll tell you what, if you look at it like this, you'll find out how much mercy you and I really need. Can you say amen? He shall be put to death. And all the congregation shall stone him with stones without the camp. Now, why does he want all the congregation involved? So that you don't pick up sticks on the Sabbath. Next Sabbath. Right? Come on. That's right. There's nothing that impacts you like murder. (laughs) Carrying out capital, capital punishment. For God. <sighs> okay. Sometimes at some of these carnivals, they have the guy with his head sticking out and everybody's throwing balls at him, trying to hit him in the head. You want them to talk, target practice with you in there and your head sticking out with boulders? You watch something like that take place, you think twice about picking up sticks on the Sabbath day. Right? See, that's what he's trying to tell the people. You're disobeying me. I'm saying these things for your own good, but also I want to prove that you are going to obey me. And all the congregation brought him without the camp. Well, you know, it just says it so nonchalantly, like everybody just ran. (laughs) They mustn't like this guy or something. They just took off and stoned him with stones, and he died as the Lord commanded Moses. It's just that, that simple, that blunt. Stoned him with stones, and he died. That's all there is to it. And... Think about that, though, for a while. Take time to meditate. See law that. Think on that. And then ask yourself, am I violating this law of rest? Now, listen, beloved. You might think, and I might think, because we're under grace, we've got it made. Mm-mm. Grace just means your stoning is postponed. Okay? That's all it means. And your stoning may come in the form of a different kind of a stone. Maybe a kidney stone or something like that. In other words, you can open up the door to sickness and disease because of a breakdown in your physical body because you failed to give it the proper food and the proper rest. And God was emphatic about this. He made it very clear. And so, beloved, if the Father said it and if Judgment was carried out and Jesus taught His disciples that you need to get rest. Then how much more do we have to have said to us to let us know that some of our physical conditions and problems could be the result of improper diet and improper rest? As a matter of fact, you can look at it from a medical uh, perspective and discover the fact that if you were to properly diet, 
get the right kind of exercise and give your body the rest that it needs. There's no reason why your body can't live to be 120 years old. I've got some notes um, from, from the newspaper in my briefcase right now talking about longevity. And the doctors are saying there's no reason why the human body cannot live to be 120 years old. And these are some of the major reasons. And I'll tell you what, the next one, which I'm not going to have time to get into, but you want to know what the next one is? See, beloved, I'm saying this this way because I want to be stern, as stern as I can. And I want to be hard on myself. Because when you start talking like this, sometimes we're so spiritually minded that we think, hey, it doesn't matter what I do. I'll just go to the altar and get hands laid on me. It doesn't always work that way, saint of God. We don't want to abuse the mercy of God. See, we want to, want to do damage to our bodies and then say, God, heal me. And then do damage to our bodies and say, God, heal me. That's like me getting my thumb, and I've told you this over and over again, and just hitting it with a hammer every day. Turns black and blue. Wake up in the morning. God, heal me. God, heal me. Next morning, hit it again. God, heal me. God, heal me. That thumb's never going to get well if I keep hitting it. And if I keep abusing my body, and you keep abusing your body, and if you don't give it rest, and if you don't give it the proper nutrition... Somewhere along the line, there may be a breakdown. And so once again, God is saying, observe my laws so that I can protect you from sickness and disease. And the third one, which I won't get into, I'll just introduce to you. It's found in Job 3.25. And you know the verse that says, the fear that I greatly feared has come upon me through, listen carefully, worry, anxiety, fear, and uncontrolled anger we open the door to certain sickness and disease. Through worry, anxiety, fear, uncontrolled anger, these emotions left uncontrolled in a person's life will open up the door to all kinds of disease. The nervous system breaks down. You ever notice that if you really were in a state of fear or panic, it leaves your physical body drained? depleted. Why? Something happens inside us that affects us physically when we allow these emotions to run rampant without control. And that's why God is commanding. See, Job says, the fear I greatly feared has come upon me. The door was opened through fear to all kinds of untold tragedies in his life, including sickness and disease. God tells us over and over again, through anxiety, worry, and fear, there is no good thing. Be careful for nothing. And once again, you look at that from a medical perspective and you can find out that many people have all kinds of physical problems because of anxiety, worry, uncontrolled fear, or anger. It causes a physical breakdown. Well, why do we have to teach along this line? Because God has been shouting it for years from the mountaintop. Don't fret. Don't worry. Don't be anxious. And fear not. I don't want to hear that. Just lay hands on me so I can get well. See, do you see that, beloved? You see how we are? We want it to happen in microwave fashion. And we want it all to be the God side. 
That's what we want. And if you're honest with yourself and me, we all can say we want it that way. Wouldn't that be the way you'd want it to be? Man, if you can just walk up to the altar and say, Brother, lay your hands on me, I'll get a million dollars right now. How many of you would be up here in a flash? Look at those hands flying up everywhere. Boy, it's amazing how we have participation when we talk about a million dollars. But you see, when God is saying to us, watch your diet, watch your rest, watch anxiety level. Right? Then no, I want to hear my part. I just want to hear what God's going to do. If everybody could come up here and just be zapped, instantly be healed, and that's it, they'd love that. If they can go back and eat whatever they want to eat, drink whatever they want to drink, and whatever amount. Can you imagine all the flesh pots that would be in industry? It's true. And as far as anxiety goes, beloved, the person who says, I just can't control you know, my anxiety level. Hold on. God wouldn't ask you to do something that you could not do. And if He told us to be careful for nothing, I guess I must believe that we could be careful for nothing. Right? We could be anxiety and worry-free. Would you rather have a worry-free life or an ulcer-filled life? How many of you are for ulcers out there? But how many of you want God to heal your ulcer? But leave the anxiety. Lord, heal me from this ulcer. Well, son, will you be anxious tomorrow? Oh, most likely. Well, son, your anxiety is causing your ulcer. I know, but heal me. You see, if I don't worry, I have nothing to do all day. Rest. And the reason He wants us to do all these things, beloved, because He wants us to find our rest in Him. He wants us to put our trust in Him. He wants us to go to Him. And you see, beloved, if we're not, then we're going to be full of anxiety. That will keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. We're going to get into that Sunday morning. Let's all stand before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our Legacy Teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.